Well, happy Easter. All right, how many of you know what to do if I say he is risen? Oh, y'all do know. Very good, very good. If you're new to church, it's kind of an Easter thing uh, that you just experienced. Well, welcome. Uh, welcome to Fellowship Asheville. My name is Fred Baker. I am very glad uh, that we get to be together today, both in person and online. For those of you who are joining us online from, from wherever you are, welcome. We're so glad to have you here today. And, and, and what I say every week is, is true this week, that I hope we leave this place with more faith and trust in Jesus than we came in. Uh, because if so, uh, then something has happened that only Jesus can do. And, and i got to tell you, Resurrection Sunday um, is a Sunday in some ways at this church like any Sunday. We worship the resurrected Jesus all year long. But it's also a little bit of a different Sunday, and that's because of you. Like, you come on Resurrection Sunday with a whole different set of expectations. And those expectations determine kind of where you're coming from. Like, like no matter whether you're a kid or a student or an adult, you walk in here on Easter with uh, expecting certain things to happen, right? Like, for many of you, Fellowship Asheville is your home church. And so you come expecting to see people you haven't seen in a week or two weeks. And, and you expect kind of this, this family reunion type thing. You come, you look forward to coming here. And as you walk into this place, you expect to, to, to celebrate. You expect to, to worship. You expect to learn. Uh, you expect fellowship. Like, like, like that's what you come in here for. Right, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna take pictures when you leave because everybody's looking pretty, right? Like like that's Easter. And just so you know too, like um, I don't know if you noticed, out in the courtyard there's a dogwood tree that's blooming and an azalea bush that's blooming, and and uh, we have this little gold Easter sign. Feel free to take selfies out there, family pics out there. If you want the Easter sign, grab it. There's also another one here. If you want to do a picture in the lobby, you can do that. But that's why those, those are there. But, but that's what we do. Like, we expect to do those things, right? Well, here's what I hope for you today. I hope that your expectations are met today beyond anything you can imagine, right? That's, that's what I hope. I want you to see the resurrection in a new and fresh way. Um, and I expect... Uh, and, and pray for your faith to be fuller and stronger when you leave this place and when you came in. But there's another group of you that, that Fellowship Asheville isn't home, right? Like, like you, you know Fellowship Asheville, you have friends and family that come here. Maybe you're visiting today, whether in person or online, um, and you have some experience of church. Right? Maybe, maybe you come for Christmas and Easter, and so you're coming here with a certain set of expectations too. And let's be honest, like, like, like if, if, if you're not used to church and you kind of come occasionally, here's what you might be expecting, right? At church, at fellowship, we, we keep it very real. So you might be expecting to be bored at some point today, right? That was not a joke. <laughs> Why y'all laughing? Like, 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 let's, like, let's just be vulnerable. Like, you expect to be bored at some time. Maybe you expect to be bored the whole time. You expect to have great food after this, right? Or, or maybe, too, you do expect to come here and have an uplifting experience today. You, you expect to, to feel and to know something. Here's what I want you to know is that you are welcome here anytime. Anytime you are welcome here. And, and what I hope for you today and what I've been praying for today is that you do experience something new today. 
Something new that, that you'll see in Jesus and you'll see in the resurrection that, that, that can move you for, from, from church and from gathering together with the people of God that would move it to being more of a sometime commitment to, to a step more than that. But there's another group of folks here online um, that don't call any church home at all, right? And, and, and quite honestly, like, like I love when you come. I love when you tune in online. Like you have no experience and so all this is new and I want you to know you are welcome here anytime. But then there's another group of people too that you do have some church experience, but it's been a long time, right? Maybe you were a leader in the church even. Maybe you were involved, but now you're done. You're done with church. And for some reason you decided to tune in online today or you decided to show up because it's Easter and so you come here expecting the same thing as every Easter. But I know too, that there's a part of you that's hoping for something different, right? There's a, there's a part of you that, that wants to experience something different today. Well, here's what I want you to know. You are welcome here anytime, too. You are welcome with your frustrations. You are welcome with your doubts. And here's what I hope for you. I hope you get a taste of what God is doing in and through this church. You get a taste of the, of the fuel of this church, which is, is the life change brought through the gospel. Right? And I hope you consider what it would look like for you to step back into church. Or if you haven't come to church at all, to step in to something brand new called a relationship with Jesus. And here's what I want for all of us too. Before we open our Bibles and before we go through our text today... I want us to pause and just pray, because here's the deal. Easter's, Easter can have a lot going on, right? Right? Some of you got hams in the oven. You're wondering when we're going to be done. Like, is it going to be too, you know, like, we've got stuff going on. I want to pray for us just to pause and be present this morning, right? To be with Jesus this morning. Y- y'all up for that? All right, let me pray for us. Jesus, um, we are your church And we are here because of what you did. What you did on a cross over 2,000 years ago. What you did in a tomb. And how you left that tomb. Because you were raised from the dead. And so we are here to celebrate a risen and real Jesus. And I pray that that you would meet with us today in a way that only you can. And, And I pray for us too that we would calm our spirits. Calm our minds, calm our bodies, calm our hearts to recognize you, to know you, and that you would be the faithful Jesus you are and just meet us. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Now we're going to be in two parts of scripture today. We're going to, be in, we're going to start off in Mark chapter 16 and then we're going to go to Luke chapter 24. So, so go ahead, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Mark chapter 16. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, second book of the New Testament. We're going to be in chapter 16, and then, uh, then we'll turn to Luke 24 whenever I prompt you there. And, and I do hope we see something unique in the resurrection for each of us. And, and I'll go ahead and, and jump in. All right, chapter 16, verse 1. Mark, who, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, said this, When the Sabbath was passed... Now, 
Um, I want to stop here because Mark is giving us a timestamp on things that happen, right? And the Jewish Sabbath started on Friday night, ended on Saturday night. Friday to sundown, Saturday to sundown. And what Mark is doing is letting us know that that is over. So we know that what's about to come next happens after Saturday at sundown at some point. We'll see in just a minute. But he's putting this mark to say, hey, after Saturday at sundown, Sabbath has passed, something happened. And he wants you to know who was there. And this is, this is important. Look at the rest of verse 1. It says, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices, uh, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him, him being Jesus. Right? So, so here's what happens. Mark wants you to know that there was a group of women. When we go to Luke, you'll see that the, there's more than just these women there. But Mark wants you to know there was a group of women who were going to the tomb of Jesus after Sabbath. Joseph of Arimathea, Jesus had died on the cross on Friday, right? And he needed to be buried before sundown, before Sabbath. And so what happened is Joseph of Arimathea had, had, had a tomb, handy and dandy, right? And so he put Jesus in there and started the process of anointing him uh, for, for burial and death. Well, because Sabbath was coming, because sundown was coming, he wasn't able to finish. And, and uh, ancient Israelites weren't like Egyptians. They didn't embalm bodies. They, they wrapped them in cloths. They dipped those cloths in fragrant oils and put flowers around them to, to not to be gross but to cover up the smell of a decomposing body right and so Joseph may not have had time to finish the job well with Jesus and so these women are going to finish the job that's why they brought spices with them right so they're going there preparing to work look at verse 2 it says and very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? So now Mark's saying, okay, it's sunup. Sunday morning, these ladies are heading to the tomb and they've got work to do, right? And they're concerned because there's this big stone blocking their work to do. But they're going with one thing in mind. We've got something to do. Look at verse 4. It says, in looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled away. It was very large. Whew, I bet they were relieved for a second. And then they were like, wait a second. Why is the stone rolled away? Who's been here? What's going on? All right? And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen, and he is not here See the place where they laid him. Right? Now keep in mind, these ladies have no idea who this dude is in the tomb. Right? We know he's an angel because we know the story. We've heard it read year after year after year. They walk in expecting to see a dead body. And instead, there's this young guy dressed in a white robe telling them what happened to the body. Now I don't know about y'all, but like, that should freak you out. If that was you, right? Like, like, there are horror movies that have a less exciting plot line than this, right? You go in expecting to see a dead body and there's someone alive there. And they're telling you a story about what happened to the body. Instead of this body, they have this empty tomb. And to continue to kind of dispel the, their fears, he tells them what happened. 
Church, what did he say happened to the body? He said, he is, he is risen. Right? You see, they came expecting to see a dead body, and instead they had this angel telling them that the body they're looking for has been raised from the dead. Y'all, this is not what they were expecting at all. Look at this in verse 7. He says this, the angel tells him this, but, but go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were, what is that last word? Afraid. I get it. Right? Like, it would take a lot for any of us to walk in and experience that and not leave afraid. They left the tomb afraid. They came expecting to work. And they left with fear. Right? Y'all, here's, here's, here's why I want to pastor us just a minute. Y'all, we have got to be okay if God doesn't do what we expect him to do. We have got to be okay with that. Because if God does something that we don't expect him to do, like things can go off the rail real quick if we don't give him that permission to be more than we expect him to be. Like we expect one thing, God does another. And here's the deal, y'all. We know we might have the wrong expectations of God when this happens, right? Wrong expectations about God can produce fear. Now, there's this type of fear in the scriptures that is good and holy. And it's the fear that we see a lot of times in people when, when, when an angel shows up or when Jesus shows up. What, what is their first word usually? Don't be afraid. Because oftentimes there's this fear that when we stand in the presence of God or stand in the presence of a holy angel, like we fall on our face in worship, right? And a lot of times the angels have to be like, no, 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 don't worship me. Don't worship me. I'm here as a messenger from God. But there's another type of fear that happens when we don't give God permission to be God of our lives, when we, when we try to put him in a box where that fear of God causes us to run away from him instead of worship him. That kind of fear is an unhealthy fear, right? Because that type of fear is based in completely wrong expectations of God. You see, when we know, church, that God is for us, then he can do whatever he needs to do with us. Right? When we know that God is for us, there's no room for this wrong kind of fear uh, that, that causes us to flee God. And so where is fear in your life? Like, like here's the deal. Like, like in, in Western culture with us, fear oftentimes looks like apathy more than fright, right? It looks like I'm just going to put God in this box over here and just leave him there and just go on with my life. And whenever I need that box, I'll open it up as long as he follows my rules. If he doesn't follow my rule, I'm going to close the box and move on with life. That is fear. But oftentimes it looks like apathy. Where is that fear in your life? You see, maybe there, those are the places where we have this unmet, where we have these wrong expectations about who God is. But y'all, guess what? The story isn't over. It's not over for them. It's not over for you. Because as afraid as they were, they were given some instructions. 
go tell the, the disciples, and specifically, go tell Peter. Now, here's what I was, as I was studying this, that, that whole idea of, okay, go tell the disciples, oh, and be sure and tell Peter that he has risen. That, has, that intrigues me every single time. Why highlight Peter? You know, like, like he didn't have more faith than the other disciples. Like, like you, you can't really argue that. He was just one of the guys. Well, turn with me to Luke 24 now, and let's see what happens with, with Peter, because there's something really, really cool in chapter 24. So Luke, so you got Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke is the next book, so, so just kind of turn, swipe right a little bit, and you'll get there. Did you get that? That's me being kind of hip and cool. Yeah. Yeah, there's more. All right, so verse 9 says this. Uh, chapter 24, verse 9 says, And returning from the tomb, so this is the ladies returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women that were with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tell, and they did not believe them. So here's what happens. These ladies, this group of ladies do what the angel told them to do, and they go back to the disciples and say, y'all, guess what? Jesus has been raised from the dead. There was this man in the tomb wearing a white robe, and he told us they've been raised, that he's been raised from the dead. But the disciples think they're crazy, right? Because typically in a court of law, you didn't trust a woman's testimony. I'm not saying that's the way it should be. I'm telling you that's the way it was, right? Which makes the gospel account of Jesus so amazing that the first evangelists in the New Testament were women, right? And these disciples have a hard time believing it. Why? Because God's not fitting their expectations. But there's one. There's one who, who, who's curious, Somebody hopes to find out more. Look at, verse, look at verse 12. But Peter rose and ran to this tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. You see, Peter went, and he goes in, and he finds no Jesus. But he goes away marveling. This word marveling means, means, means wonder. It means to be amazed. It's like when you're in school and you do this really cool science experiment, right? And you're like, whoa, how did that happen? Right? It's the 4th of July, right? What happens when those fireworks go, what does everybody do? Ooh, ah, right? It's, that's what Peter did. He was like, wow. What they said was true. He's not here. But here's my question. Why did Peter go in the first place? Why is Peter the one that ran in the first place? Here's what I want us to do. I want us to tune in to Peter just a little bit because I think there's something there for us. Because you see, I think Peter needed Jesus to be alive. Right? And like I said, I don't think his faith was any better than the women's. I don't think his faith was any better than, than the rest of the disciples. But I do think he was coming from a different place. Right? So, so let's just kind of double click on Peter for a little bit. Here's what we know about Peter. Right? Peter was a fisherman. He met this untrained rabbi named Jesus who said, follow me. And so Peter did. 
right? He dropped everything and followed Jesus. What else we know about Peter when we read the New Testament is that there's two, like, very true things about Peter. He has great passion, and let's call it growing discernment, right? Right? Great passion, growing discernment. Any of those type people here in the room today? Right? Yes. Great passion, growing discernment. Right? Jesus told Peter, they're in a boat, right? And he says, come out on the water and walk with me. Peter gets out of the boat and walks with Jesus. Great passion. Until the waves start hitting him. What did he think was going to happen? He's walking on water. The waves start hitting him and he freaks out. Growing discernment. Jesus has a saving from drowning. Right? Jesus is being attacked, right? At least Peter thinks he is by a group of of army before his crucifixion. Peter wants to fight for Jesus. And he grabs a sword and cuts a guy's ear off. Great passion. Jesus fixes it. Growing discernment. Tells him, put away your sword, Peter. Right? But there's, there's, there's one time. There's one time where he answered a question that Jesus asked with, I think, great passion and good discernment. Because in Mark, we see this. I think, I think the passage will be up here. It says, and he, being Jesus, asked them, but who do you say that I am? So Jesus is with his disciples and, and anybody that would listen to him. He says, who do you say that I am? Peter raises, Peter raises, oh, me, 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 me. Right? He says, you are the Christ is what Peter said. In other words, you are the Messiah. You're the one that's going to save us. You're the one that's going to save the nation of Israel. To which Jesus says, good job. You're right. right. Like, way to go, Peter. You got this. But then look at what happens next. And he, Jesus, began to teach them. So he's teaching them again, Peter included, right after Peter answered the question that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And then, after three days, rise again. And he, being Jesus, said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Right? Because this didn't match the answer that Peter just gave. How are you going to be dead, Jesus, if you're going to kick Rome out of Israel? How are we going to be in our rightful place again in the world if you're dead? I don't even know what raised again means. Like, like how's that going to happen? No, Jesus, you're crazy. You're off your rocker. I was with you like I was following you, and then you do this, and I just think you need to hear from us disciples right now. We think you're wrong. Right? Great passion, growing discernment, right? Since Peter knows all the right answers, obviously Jesus is wrong. Why? Because Jesus doesn't meet his expectations. He hasn't given Jesus permission yet to be his expectations, right? Look at how this goes over, as you can imagine. By turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter. And said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So, sweet Peter, great passion, growing discernment, goes from star student to Satan in like three verses. (laughs) Right? Maybe four. Right? Great passion, 
growing discernment. And then what Jesus does, because remember, the story doesn't end there. He doesn't leave Peter there. Jesus keeps going. Look at this. He says, if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Right? For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. In other words, he's telling Peter and all the rest of the disciples what it means to follow Jesus is to follow Jesus. Right? What it means is that you get to lay down your expectations of God and instead let Jesus define them. Let Jesus define your expectations. Right? In other words, if you have a question about who God is, you look at what Jesus did and you see who God is. Because as you see Jesus, you see God. And as you see God, you see Jesus. You see, in those places where there's fear, particularly a fear that allows us to to put God in a box or to even turn away from him completely, those are the places where Jesus gets to define your expectations about God. Those are the places where, church, hear me on this, those are the places where we need to let Jesus be Jesus. Not our version of him, but let Jesus be Jesus. Another way to think about it is this, that Jesus is our expectations about God. Jesus is our expectations about God. But when we left Peter, he was just leaving the tomb, right? The angels um, uh, had told the women to find Peter specifically and to tell him that, that, that Jesus had risen. And, and like I said, we, remember he was leaving the tomb and he was marveling. Wow, wow. You see, when Jesus is your expectations about God, fear of God Fear of what God is or who he is or what he can do or or can't do, um, what he is or isn't, that fear becomes replaced with wonder of who he is. Right? And what I want you to do is pop ahead to Luke 24, verse 34, and I want to show you something. Because what we're going to see right here in this verse is something that only is recorded in Luke, and there's not even a mention of it anywhere else. Saying this, so what had happened is, is some disciples um, had left Jerusalem because the resurrection talk was just too much for them. Jesus meets them on the way. They, they discover it's Jesus, and they come back and tell the disciples. So, so they were on this road to Emmaus. It's, it's them. And so they come back, and, and they tell them this. They say, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Now, here's what's interesting. The angel told the women, go tell the disciples and Peter that Jesus is risen. And then we have this verse in Luke 24 that Jesus is risen. And guess what? He met with Simon. We don't have a record anywhere besides this verse of that meeting between Jesus and Peter. Simon is is another name for Peter. Sometime after the resurrection, Peter and Jesus had this one-on-one meeting. Right? This little phrase, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. There is this special meeting between Jesus and Peter. And why? Because I think Peter needed Jesus. Because Jesus was his expectations about God. If you're familiar with um, the, the Narnia books, or the movies in particular, 
This scene is the scene where Aslan and Edmund are talking on the hillside by themselves. Do you remember that scene? And nobody is allowed to know what they talked about because it was special for them. And what happens is Edmund sits down with Edmund ashamed and afraid and that he was going to be kicked out. And he leaves that meeting a leader. He leaves that meeting empowered. Now, all C.S. Lewis did was look at our Jesus and go, this is what he does, and this is who he is. That private meeting is, as, as your pastor, like, like, like we have this thing here at Fellowship where it's a picture of a triangle. I've called it a thrive angle, but the staff hates it, so I only do it in reference to them hating it now. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's also our values, as what they want to call it, which I think is so boring, but it's fine. Um, I'm okay with it. It's beyond my expectations, but I'm getting okay with it. But in these values, we say we value as a church being in God's word and being for others. And then the very tip of that triangle is with Jesus. Like as your pastor, what I value for you is for you to have these times with Jesus just like Peter does. These times where you go in afraid, you go in shamed, you go in, you go in bewildered and doubtful, and you meet with Jesus and you come out bold and courageous and healed. That's what I want for you. Because this private meeting with Jesus is what fueled Peter's public faith. So where, where do you need Jesus to be what Jesus can be? Where do you need Jesus to do what only Jesus can do? Where, where do you have this fear of God in your life? Because can I tell you what doesn't work, right? What doesn't work is stories about Jesus. They are good, but they are just the beginning. What doesn't work is other people telling you their experiences about Jesus, i.e. this, doesn't work. It's the beginning. It's just the start. What works is doing what Peter did in meeting with Jesus, right? Because look at verse 24, verse th- I mean, chapter 24, verse 36, it says this, And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. Jesus shows up with the rest of the disciples. They all have this, this time to meet with Jesus. You see, you don't need stories about Jesus. They're great, but they're just the start. You don't need stories of other people's experiences with Jesus. They're great, but they're just the start. What we need as a church is we need Jesus, and we need the resurrected Jesus meeting with us. The living, breathing Jesus who brings life over death meeting with each of us. I know when I was in a very low place in my life where fear was winning, I asked and Jesus met me there. And I left that meeting healed and better, right? I still needed Jesus, but I was better than I was when I walked into that time. You see, the presence of the resurrected Jesus makes all the difference. And here's what I know about Jesus is that he will meet with you. Look at verse 37. It says, but they were startled and frightened and they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones that you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Why, why would he do that? Because that's where the scars were. 
right? People that haven't been crucified don't have holes in their hands and their feet, but Jesus did. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything to here to eat? See, that's why I know Jesus loves me. <laughs> and that's where um, Jesus is really kind to me because I feel that verse. Have you anything to eat, right? Like I feel that. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them because spirits don't eat. And he's showing them that he is real. The NIV You know, the ESV that I just read says they disbelieve for joy. The NIV says they couldn't believe it because of their joy. See, when when Jesus is Jesus in your life, when when you invite God to to be uh, beyond your expectations, when you look at Jesus to see who God is, don't be surprised when your fear starts being replaced with joy. And where joy starts outweighing your fear. Look at verse 44. It says this, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that the repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. You see, what Jesus did in this final moment is say, listen, guys, the whole point of this, the whole point of the the law, the whole point of what we call the Old Testament is to point to Jesus. And your point, the whole time we've been together is so that you can tell others what you have experienced and invite them into private meetings with Jesus. Invite them to know Jesus as Savior. You see, Jesus wanted them to know what the death and resurrection was for. It meant that their sins were forgiven. And then now they had full and complete access with God, right? Because if you have a private meeting with Jesus, you have a private meeting with God, y'all. Like, that's a big deal. You see, Jesus wanted them to know that this resurrection changes everything. Now, this group of men and women started something that changed the world, right? This guy, Peter, right? Peter, the the great passion, the growing discernment. Shortly after this, he's standing in front of thousands of people, quoting the Old Testament, showing how Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament, that he is the Messiah to be trusted. He is the Jesus to follow. He is God present with us. And thousands of people said yes to that Jesus. Thousands of people believed him. And what we call the church was started by these people. We're here in Asheville, North Carolina because of a movement that happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus said, and you will be witnesses to these things. Because when Jesus said that, if you fast forwarded that, they shared it to somebody who said yes to Jesus. They shared it, they shared it, they shared it. And then somebody that knew you said yes to Jesus that told you about him and you said yes to Jesus. All because of this. So let me ask you, have you welcomed the resurrected Jesus into your life? 
right? If you haven't, then, then let today be the day you, you say yes to him, not to the stories of him, not to, not to just other people's experiences of him. Those are great, but they are the starting point. You say yes to him and allow him to be the leader of your life, right? Because what if he healed you from your sins and set you free today? Now, for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, where do you still have fear lingering in your life? What if you agreed to meet Jesus there this week? Just agreed to, to have a private time with him and let him define your expectations of God. What if he became your expectations of God? And what if, what if he replaced this fear and this apathy with wonder? Right? Wonder about what he would do next. Let me tell you what happened. You would experience something new. And your faith would be stronger and fuller today than it was yesterday. See, the person of Jesus would be part of your regular conversation because he's, part, he's a regular part of your life. And as a pastor in this church, y'all, that excites me. Because that changes a church. It changes a city, and that's really cool. And so church, he is risen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Um, Jesus, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. I pray that you would do what only you can do and change our hearts today. Draw us to you. And, and God, I pray a special prayer, too, over this group, uh, over those gathered here and online, that you would be faithful to meet us in those times where we invite you in, that your presence would be known. Maybe it'd be known in a patient heart. Maybe it would be known in, in grace given to ourselves. Even if, if just for the moment, maybe it would be known in healing. But God, however you make yourself known, would you do that? In Christ's name I pray, amen.